All right. Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. I feel like we're going to get listeners we don't normally get, so we should probably just start by introducing ourselves. I'm Pat Race. I'm a filmmaker, an illustrator, a small business owner, went to school up in Fairbanks, live in Juneau, grew up here. And I'm Matt Buxton, and I am a political writer, uh, journalist turned journalist blogger, I think, uh, which is going to be, I think, a pretty interesting point of conversation here. Uh, I've been covering Alaska politics for a decade now. Today, we're going to have a conversation with someone who has been doing what I view as journalism and as pretty good investigative journalism, but doing it anonymously and working anonymously has frustrated and angered a lot of people. Um, and also, I think the things that they're doing makes certain political f factions feel vulnerable uh, or under attack, right? So branding yourself as the Blue Alaskan kind of puts you squarely into one political camp. And I think there's a lot of people that think that this is like part of the industrial machinery of, of politics, the gooey swamp, right? And I think that's like the important sort of element of all of this, right? Is that there's been this big mystery for years, for the last, I guess, years as in two years, yeah. about who this person is. Is it some secret journalist who somehow has a massive amount of time in their day to write a whole bunch of stories? Uh, and put it out on, under a pseudonym? Is it somebody in the Anchorage Assembly who's who's writing it themselves? As we are talking about it right now, we don't know who this person is. We don't, yeah. we've, we both had a, have had sort of conversations with them individually outside of this. Um, but beyond that, we don't know who they are. We don't know who, you know, why they're necessarily doing this. We don't. It's not you, right? I, the, no, it's not me. I would put my name on something like that. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the this be an anonymous writer in this space. And I think, you know, you've seen a lot of people really bristle at that. I mean, it's frust it's frustrating. I find it frustrating. I mean, I don't blame you, but I think like to me, I think it comes back to like the mystery of who this person is isn't quite as interesting as like the shop element of it. You know, I think that the ethical discussion about reporting anonymously i mean would it be great if we we you know pull out the mask and it's like bill walker or sean parnell right like that would be wild but it's not like i i the, the kind of every all the sort of evidence that i've seen tells me that it's sort of a boringly normal person just a regular dude who got interested in all this the the thing i think underlying all this is motive right so what is what is the motive for for doing this work um you know there's a and the anonymity isn't anything special. There's plenty of people giving anonymous opinions or, or doing Laura Reinbold parodies on Twitter or whatever. You know, like there's plenty of anonymous voices. It's just that this one anonymous voice has managed to stand out. And I think on really the strength of their work, they've done some work that has caught people's attention because it's kind of turned over a few rocks. The, the motivation behind why you would, you know, subject yourself to not only like a massive amount of like, work on its own but also like you know i've seen what people write about the blue alaskan it's not pretty right the, this there and i think the anonymity i think contributes to that right i think it's easier to be nasty to somebody who you think is christopher constant right assembly member christopher constant like it's easier to be nasty when you think it's some kind of 
conspiracy rather than it is a regular person. When you're anonymous, you can be anyone's darkest shadow, right? For one second, like the idea that anybody's like thoroughly vetting any media source that is like named even is a complete joke, right? Alaska Dispatch News, when they went under, was like the only time we will ever get a good look at any media agencies like books. I guess maybe public media, maybe you have good look there. But like, I think this idea that we have like some extra amount of like clarity and accountability and surety about everything because they have their name on it is like kind of, it's a, a fallacy, right? So we're gonna hang up here. We're gonna go and do our interview. I just wanted a chance for us to kind of talk and get our jitters out and whatnot. And, um, we'll, we'll go meet up with them on the other zoom link. All right. See, See you in a, a minute in Alaska. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Matt, what are the pickles? Portland pickles. Oh, they are a wood bat league, uh, baseball team. Oh, cool. So they're kind of like, um, the, what is it? The gold panners in Fairbanks. Yeah. 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 I actually have a, uh, Oh, you got the whole outfit on today. Yeah. Nice. Go pickles. Oh. oh my goodness, a guest has arrived. Ah, I hear noises. Hello, hello. Yeah, you're a little muddy, but I hear you there. Your audio sorry, your audio is really muddy, I think. All right, right Pat. Hold on. I kind of like the the <laughs> it does, it's, yeah. it's like the you have them have them lit from behind. Yeah, there's there was one of those kind of stories in recently in the Anchorage Press or Anchorage uh, TV stations that was really bad. Oh, with like a secret person. Yeah. Is this any better? Oh, oh that's, that's a lot much better. better. Yeah. All right. Well, so maybe we should just jump in with the question that I think everyone wants to know: what is what is what does it mean to be a journalist? Was that for me? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you bill yourself as a blogger and we've had these discussions. You've had these discussions online a lot about like what it means to be a journalist. And you're very adamant that you're just a blogger. And and we're at this weird time in journalism in Alaska and in our nation where we've got this whole stratification of, you know, we've got must read Alaska and the landmine and and, uh, a blog bought the Alaska Daily News and then then the billionaire founder like lost it in a proceeding and it got picked up by another, you know, like we've just got this really complicated journalistic ecosystem here in Alaska. And I'd love to hear how you think of yourself fitting into that. I believe I'm a blogger. Uh, You know, journalism sometimes happens, I think. And I, I think the media ecosystem here while loud is relatively small. So I, I don't know what a what a journalist really is. Um, I write a lot of opinion pieces and you know give my take on what's going on, especially with the Anchorage Assembly and the Bronson administration. But you know sometimes I write things that surprise me and they get picked up by Alaska Public Media or or the Anchorage Daily News, and it's neat, but it's it's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So. I don't know if that makes me a, a journalist or not, but I, I don't think that it does. It happens, but it's it's not my intent. That's my question is, why do you do what you do? Because 
you know, I, I'm somebody who's doing this, you know, professionally, right? Like I get paid for what I do and it's an incredible amount of work. I think it's really difficult to do on your own. I think it's difficult, you know, without that kind of safety net of an editor or, or even, even coworkers to bounce stuff off of. I think finding the energy and, and heart to write every day is, is to me is a really big challenge. And so, um, you know, it's made easier by getting paid for it, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just really curious about why you do what you do. And I guess, and also, you know, what, what you feel it is that you are doing in, in this space. I mean, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I stand by what I've said before that I started blogging when, uh, you know, Save Anchorage really scared the hell out of me. The anti-Semitism and calls to storm the assembly and civil war and the racism and the, the rhetoric that, that came, you know, it all kind of manifested uh, just before the, uh, in the months before the, the presidential election. And we had a very, you know, divisive global pandemic. So I started writing because I kept waiting to see a lot of what was going on in Save Anchorage and these other far right groups pop up in the news and get covered and, and uh, you know, have people talk about that. You know, I, I sat one day, I said, I can't possibly be the only one who's looking at this that, that thinks it's okay. And I realized quickly that no one was and no one was going to. And I really felt like it was something that needed to be documented and talked about um, and, and brought attention to. Uh, so that was my, that's how it started. You know, that was my primary motivation behind it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff from Save Anchorage that I have not made public uh, that I might one day, but I, I found it all <laughs> pretty concerning to say the least. So Save Anchorage is a, is a Facebook group and uh, I I've actually, actually haven't been on Facebook in years and uh, like the the ecosystem has changed. It's been the subject of congressional inquiries. It's uh, you know been the subject of documentaries. The the way we interact and engage with social media is really under scrutiny right now. And it seems like you're one of the few people in Alaska who's really looked at it on a local level. And you've looked at you know how people interact and how people are influenced by these group dynamics. And I'd love to just hear a little bit more about you know for someone like me who doesn't spend a lot of time on Facebook, what is Save Anchorage? Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, I, it, it really truly is. You know, we're talking about disinformation. We're talking about misinformation. We're talking about how one person in a group of, well, I, I think at the height of their infamy, they, they were a group of over 9,000 people. But how one person can post one, share one meme that's wrong, um, some COVID data from an obscure website in, in you know, Russia or, or whatever, and how people immediately latch onto that and don't fact check it and believe that it's true and then share that everywhere. You know, we've heard that testimony in front of the Anchorage Assembly. It, it percolates and manifests in the group, and then it finds its way into the local political scene in the form of public testimony in front of the Anchorage Assembly. And 
they're loud. They are convinced that the things that they're saying about COVID and homelessness are are real and, and legitimate, and they're not. And one of the interesting things about this dynamic is that it becomes very difficult as a writer, I think, as, as a blogger, as anybody, to refute. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that I don't think a lot of minds are going to be changed of those in, in, in the Save Anchorage group. They are pretty much cemented and rooted in what they believe. Uh, you know, they could say that, you know, only 20 people in Alaska have died of COVID. And we've, we've seen that kind of misinformation before. And, you know, Dr. Zink could show up and present hard data and pr they're just not going to believe it. I haven't quite figured out how to, how to um, explain that better to the community, but it is somewhat the basis for what we wind up hearing and, and, you know, at, in, in public testimony. Yeah, I'm really grateful that there's somebody that is is willing to look at this stuff and willing to understand it because, you know, it's 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 not fun. I don't think it's a fun sort of job to do. I think you know, looking into Alaska and realizing that it's not this great sort of story that we tell ourselves about being this sort of you know compassionate sort of communal state is is not true. Sometimes there's some like deeply dark elements of it and anyway that's all to say i'm grateful that somebody is doing this because the reason it's not happening is because it's not you know, it's for some to some people it's just not not fun or not easy to do well and frankly you know, and, and frankly there's not a lot of investigative journalism in alaska yeah that too that's yeah awesome. i don't know if what i do constitutes that but i will say this um you know initially when i started writing about save anchorage there was so much going on. And, and remember the whole Berkowitz, you know, downfall, um, yep. you know, Mariah Athens was a member of Save Anchorage. Andy Kreiner was a member of Save Anchorage. Molly Blakely was a member of Save Anchorage. Jamie Allard, members, everybody shy of one uh, sex worker was a member of the group. And things got really... You know, they were heated in, in August and September, but, but the, by the time the Berkowitz scandal rolled around, things got, you know, heated more so. Mm -hmm. So I was literally just writing about, you know, what was going on. So, you know, if you look at the stuff that I wrote early on and the stuff that I've written within the last, I don't know, probably six or eight months, um, it's not save Anchorage all the time anymore. It's, you know, when they're looking to influence or impact politics on the local level. Yeah. But I, I, I want to add this too. Um, I've had a step away. You know, I, Matt makes a very good point that um, it's a lot to keep your head in there and, you know, see and listen, absorb and watch and interpret and decipher and dissect what's going on in the group. You know, so I've, I've just had to step away for a week or two at a time and just not been able to and tell people, you know, because people send you screenshots and send you information like, don't send that to me right now. I've, I've got to get away from it a bit because it is intense. So how do you want to introduce yourself here? I mean, like, how is how is Chris Constant, Forrest Dunbar, yeah. uh, <laughs> John Arono? Uh, 
I mean, you don't sound like you're Suzanne Downing operating a, a false flag operation. So I'm I've, I've heard cross, I was I'm crossing, I'm crossing that one off my list. No, I did think there was a, I thought there was a chance you were Jeff for a minute. Jeff would you put know, his name on our, it. That's the, that's the thing our, is that so many of the people that were named would have happily put their name on that work. You know, on, on the blue Alaskan side. And I sit and watch, you know, what people, the conspiracy theories and, you know, just have a, network of out-of-state deep state bloggers funded by a pack and you know it's like wow i'm you know very sophisticated i i guess is the word that's been used but i i still to this day don't understand why you know landfield did what he did but i do know that in november I you're, think talk, you're talking about the bounty the, the bounty he registered blue alaskan Dot com And if you go there, because my website's thebluealaskan.com, but if you go to just bluealaskan.com, it redirects to the Alaska landmine. You know, like he's trying to catch runoff clicks or something from people who mistype my, my website. So, you know, I, I've just kind of, uh, I just find it all very interesting. I, I think I, uh, that's just not something I would do. So you're not funded by uh, an outside no. organization? Are you funded by anyone? Is there a, no. do you have a backer like nope. Matt, Matt does? Matt has a secret, uh, uh, or not so secret, <laughs> benefactor. His name's no, Jim Blotzfeld. Yeah, but if anybody, you know, is. hook me up. But no, seriously, I, I, I mean, look, you know, people have this, imp- you know, I think one of Jeff's arguments was that uh, in order to, what did you say, write the quality stuff and the frequency, I pump out a lot of content or something, he said, you know, requires institutional funding and support. I'd, I'd have to go check, but I, I mean, I, I I mean honest, honestly, it feels that way. Like the, the, the amount of work you do and the depth of research that you do, it feels like not the kind of thing someone comes home from a day job and then sits down and does additionally for, for as like a hobby. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I appreciate that, but I mean, I want to know your secret. I mean, do you no, have a no. do you have a day job? Are you independently wealthy? Are you Andrew Halcrow? Like, what's the what's the secret sauce? <laughs> you know, are you juggling it with other stuff, or or is this kind of your job more or less over the last couple of years? You know, the first year of the Blue Alaskan, I wasn't soliciting donations or or anything like that, and I I had writers telling me you know, privately that I should, you know, you're doing a a lot of work, you're, you know, doing assembly meetings and, you know, you're just putting out an incredible amount of content and you should be compensated for that. You know, I really groused about it. You know, why would people want to donate to, you know, this anonymous blog? Um, You know, and if you do a little bit of reading, you'll learn that anonymous blogs were the standard before Facebook and you know, before Facebook appeared on the, on the scene, um, you know, anybody can still do them. I, I think I've gained some attention because of the things I've written about the Bronson administration. So, you know, I had a savings and I, I used to write once a week, pretty much. And, and, you know, kind of almost exclusively, if you will, um, you know, for Anchorage press. And then I'd write some opinion stuff on the, on the website. And, then I started watching the traffic go up and social media engagement go up. And, 
you know, people are emailing me and, you know, like they're doing this and check this out. And can you take a look at this group? Um, you know, other citizens were just kind of alarmed, I think is the best word about, you know, what was going on in social media groups and, you know, things that were being said about homelessness, vagrancy, you know, during the uh, mayoral election. And I said, if I'm going to do this, and if, you know, I'm going to be effective at it, then I'm just going to do it. I'm, it's not like I have been juggling a, a second job behind the scenes. You know, I write what I want when I, when I want. And uh, I, I guess that's how I'm able to put the content out. You know, as you start depleting your savings and you're, you know, I've run the website through multiple revamps to try to, you know, make it more appealing and easier to navigate. Um, you know, so I, I've thrown quite a bit of money at it, right. um, but I did it all myself and, you know, was able to cut some costs that way. But, you know, so, it just so came in, out of my savings. There's there's no institutional level support. Of, uh, you know, I, I wish there was, but, yeah. you know, there wasn't. So, so in terms of resourcing, what you're saying is that you basically just drew from savings and um, and then also had a few donations trickle in. And that's kind of how your operation has worked to date. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when I put the donation link up. Um, you know, I've, I've long said I'm not a political operative or politician, never been a candidate. Um, you know, I was just one of those concerned citizens, you know, who found what was going on on the local level to be alarming and just started writing about it. I mean, I don't have any experience in doing this. You know, I was, uh, have mostly worked retail and I don't have a college education. Like I've said, I think people do like having um, the ability to support, you know, writing that they appreciate, you know, especially since I write about things like the library and the assembly and just, you know, politics and social justice issues and, and whatnot. Um, you know, it's kind of their way of telling me that, you know, they appreciate what I've been doing and they're supportive of it. What is it in your own experience, in your own personal experience, that do you think drew you to this Save Anchorage issue? Like, why why were you there to see that, and 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 what's the personal connection for you? Well, I wasn't even intentionally looking for. You know, there were a lot of screenshots that were taken from the group that were circulating on Twitter and um, you know Facebook, social media, and whatnot. And you know, I would look at some of it, be like, is this real? You know, is, is this a real thing? Are, are people actually writing this? Like, do we actually have anti-Semitic pieces of garbage, you know, in our city who feel it's okay to, to publicly write this stuff? That was the most, you know, astounding thing to me was that there was no shame um, and people would laugh and uh, cajole, you know, the, these really heinous, awful, hateful social media posts. And that's what got me interested in the group, you know, and, and again, why I started writing it from the perspective of, you know, freedom of speech covers hate speech. We, we know that, but still, these are the people who want to install these individuals onto the assembly and into the mayorship and onto the school board. Like that just blew me away. I, I didn't think that was okay. I didn't think that was acceptable. I, I thought that was completely contrary to the type of city that I, I know Anchorage to be. And a lot of people were very dismissive of Save Anchorage. Oh, they're just the vocal minority, which is true. 
but they got Bronson elected. So when they involved themselves in political activism, I took them very seriously. You know, yeah. we were dealing with Trump's election fraud lies and the, the insurrection happened. And then, you know, we had Barbara Jones and her staff harassed. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff <laughs> that the group has been directly involved in. And, uh, you know, I don't count them down and out. I, I take them as formidable um, individuals, you know, formidable group. And I, I take what they say and what they do very seriously. And I, I think others should too. Well, how about the anonymity? Like, where did that, why did you choose to Save be? Save Anchorage. <laughs> well, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, I mean, uh, you know, it just was out of concern for, um, you know, myself and, and my, my family, that was a real struggle for me. Um, you know, not being a journalist, not being a reporter, not being a writer. I did a lot of reading about the first amendment and, you know, anonymous political speech and anonymous speech in general. And I wasn't sure what the reaction was going to be, but I knew that I would primarily be writing about Save Anchorage. And, you know, again, this is a group that was calling for on others to storm the assembly. It has militia members in it, you know, specifically individuals associated with the 3% militia movement. Brett Manis, you know, was uh, a member of that group. You know, so storm the assembly, civil war, they protested armed you know, assault rifles and stuff outside the Anchorage Assembly. When was that? August, I think, is, is when that happened. And, you know, that was about the time that I made my decision where I said, I don't know these people. And who wants to get, you know, shot or harassed um, and have their life upended because of something you've written? You know, this isn't the Anchorage Daily News. It's not Alaska Public Media. There is no institutional support and funding. So, you know, dealing with any kind of threats and harassment, which, you know, ultimately manifested and happened, just got one again the other day. Somebody said I should be shot. So I just stuck that up on the website. You know, it, it was a concern of mine. Not, and at that point, you know, early on, not really knowing anything other than there was a whole bunch of crazy shit going on in that group. And I didn't want to be a target. Probably the anger, I think the volume is turned up by, by the anonymity. I think that there are a lot of people in Alaska that like, don't like that this person that they don't know, like you can be whatever boogeyman they choose because you're anonymous. And that's why, you know, in, in, people's minds you're christopher constant you know or you're matt buxton or whatever what do they perceive as the greatest evil in the world and i think that it's really easy to like get angry at anonymity so i'm hoping that that in revealing who you are that sort of diffuses this and like puts a little bit of like humanity and identity and you know personage on this it's it's easy to dehumanize someone who is anonymous because they're not a real person it's definitely different when you're sitting in the chair on, on the receiving end of it. You know, I don't threaten people associated with Save Anchorage. I don't dox them. I don't try to upend their life. I don't reveal where they work. I, I don't 
feel I harass them at all. It's mostly focused on the civic activists and, uh, you know, the group itself. So I take those threats seriously. Um, not personally necessary. I, I understand where they emanate from, but um, I don't know these people. And, you know, they're almost always anonymous, which, you know, is interesting considering they rail against my, my the anonymity that I've kept for almost two years. And I sleep just fine at night with the, uh, the choice to, uh, you know, be anonymous initially until things settled down and you know, I, I think for the most part, we're there. If you're going to reveal yourself here and collect the bounty, I guess, like, <laughs> you want to, do you want that to go to like a specific nonprofit or something? Or like, do you have, like, what, what do you, what do you want to see done with this bounty? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think definitely a, a charity would, um, would be best um we could put it in the name of susan downing or something like you know maybe give it to identity and (laughs) great we went from putting a bounty on my head um and calling around to get information and trying to you know figure out who i was and out me and which look you know was a very clear attempt to to dox me and I think upend my life. I don't I don't know about that. I mean like it's kind of the same work you're doing, right? Like you you are revealing things that are secrets that people are, you know, whether it's a contract or in, or a communication or something that may yeah. may contribute to policy or political stuff. If if Jeff thinks that you're you are a if Jeff thinks that you're Christopher Constant, which at one point he did, then he never makes... emailed me. <laughs> He never asked for to talk on the phone. If Paxson had sent me an email and said, look, you know, here's a little form, we'll whatever, write it up. And yeah. uh, we just want to talk to you and um, we won't record it. I would have happily had done that. I, you know, at the height of the bounty thing, I was kind of tossing that around in my brain. You know, I, I certainly would have seriously have considered that. I'm also not outing anonymous people. I mean, there's anonymous actors and accounts in Save Anchorage who are doing things that I can look at and, you know, draw some lines to some other groups and and Facebook pages, but I'm not writing them. I'm not exposing them. I'm not revealing anything that at at this point I, I think isn't really commonly known even when somebody writes something like you know we're going to storm the assembly and posts it with a picture of an assault rifle you know somebody did this on jamie allard's facebook page i still redacted it you know i'm not out to the same concern that i have about being harassed i also have for people on the other side of the political spectrum that i just fundamentally disagree with Now, when you're talking about a politician or a civic activist who is actively working to achieve their goals in the city, like the recalls, you put your name on a recall, you know, and and you're the chair of that recall and your Save Anchorage fellow moderators, the treasurer of that, you know, that's not anything revealing. That's public information. You've made a decision and a choice to do that openly and publicly. So 
you know, I, I don't think I'm do, doing the same thing to other people that, that Landfield was trying to do to me. He never asked me, you know, what was the basis for my anonymity? Um, he never asked me who I was. He never asked if he could get my phone number. All he did was accuse me of being Christopher Constant. All he did was accuse me of being John Arono, throwing these wild, irresponsible things out there. Uh, you know, and I think he lives off turmoil and conflict a little bit. And at the end of the day, what did he achieve? I mean, both of those things, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> that, did it help? I mean, from where I was sitting, looking at the polls he did and and the responses and, you know, it's more conservative, I think, on Facebook and it's more progressive and relaxed and groovy on, on the Twitter side. There didn't seem to be a lot of stomach for it. I'm, I'm sure there were some people that were hopeful it would happen, um, you know, that he would have been successful. And I, I had quite a number of politicos and people, you know, sending me messages saying, wow, you know, I, I had a reporter, <laughs> a pretty well-known reporter send me a message and said, wow, you've like survived the bounty three weeks. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, they, they thought I was done for <laughs> like when that happened. You know, this is part of a, a bigger, larger conversation. You know, Jeannie Devon was the anonymous blogger for oh yeah, Mudflats for how many years? Three years? Well, and during some very chaotic times in Alaska. Yes. And she, her website was hacked and her children were threatened and her business was impacted. Yeah. Um, now, I think that's something for me, like coming into this, it's hard for me to imagine that level of like, I, I think I was I maybe being a little dismissive of, of threats of violence. Uh, but I, I also haven't been on the receiving end of like that kind of intense uh, focus. And I think that it's, so it's hard for me to sort of imagine that it's real or that it's as visceral as it is. And I can't imagine having your children threatened or, ha or having a spouse at home whose life you worry about um, and, you know, thinking that you're the person that's going to bring something bad to your front door through the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's kind of my point is things were so volatile, you know, with Save Anchorage in the, you know, they formed in July, so July, August, September, then we had all the rhetoric building up to the elections going to be stolen in, you know, in November. And then, you know, I, my perception was Trump was not going to go willingly. And, you know, I monitor groups on Telegram and some of these other um, not so commonly used social media platforms that really do cater to the uh, to the far right and saw a lot of the rhetoric. And then, you know, we had the insurrection. So, you know, again, I was very comfortable with that decision. I think if the threats didn't come in what I believe to be a, a pretty steady stream, maybe I would not have been so concerned and, and maybe would have bounced out of my anonymity, you know, probably you know, mid last year, but you know, it, it hadn't really stopped. It hadn't really slowed down. I'm going to leave some space here for Matt to say some things. I feel like I've been hogging this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're um, holding me to the fire. It's great. One of the most interesting things to me is just like the shop element of it is the, you know, is the, the idea of being able to do this. And, you know, I think that Alaska doesn't have a whole lot of voices and it could be you know it's in need of more voices and it's in need of more eyes on 
on everything. I mean, I'm, I just don't think I'm the best person to be doing what I'm doing. It was my hope that other writers would begin writing and blogging and, you know, jumping into the, to the fray, whether it was anonymous or otherwise, just getting the information out there and sharing it. Um, I think that progressives need something akin, not on the same grotesque level as Must Read Alaska, but a legitimate progressive news site with consolidated you know, information that people are willing to contribute to. Something like that would require institutional level support and, and funding. Um, but you know, that's not the Blue Alaskan. And you know, arguably, the name the Blue Alaskan probably does not appeal to a wide range of individuals in the state. I'd say the name Would. of the Blue Alaskan is probably repellent to, to quite a lot of people who are in the more conservative circles. Yeah, but it's the one thing I didn't want to be shady about. I mean, I've made it very clear. I'm a Democrat. Um, I used to be a long time ago, used to be a Republican, you know, so I, I didn't. That's interesting. Want, yeah, I, I didn't want people to, you know, to guess or whatever. Some people have emailed me and said, you re really should call yourself the Purple Alaskan, because I, I am probably more of a, a moderate on, on certain things, but I'm far more progressive on, on others. So, you know, that was just one thing I wanted to make clear from the get go was, you know, I'm a Democrat and I'm proud of it. And, uh, you know, who cares? Yeah. We've got two far right news sites. We've got the Republicans own ADN. Alaska Public Media, as far as I'm concerned, is doing God's work right now. I, I think they're the best thing going. That's where I go for for news and really good coverage on on things. So who cares? I mean, I'm just a blog. Like I find it incredible. People are either like really like it or tolerate it or just hate it to the point where they have to send me a, a mean email. Like, how dare a Democrat have a blog? You know, it's yeah. weird. <laughs> that is weird. It is, it's a very that's you know like when you frame it that way it's a very strange thing to like be angry that someone is speaking but i but at the same time like i feel that way sometimes when i read must read alaska it's like i get a little hot under the collar and i, I i've had a similar journey to you I, I grew up in alaska my dad was a republican and i registered as a republican when i was 18 and allowed to vote and stayed a republican for you know, several years and until I almost got in a fight with Pelmanis over my party registration with, you know, someone, it was, it was like just this stupid thing. And, you know, at that point I was like, okay, this is, I don't really even like these parties. I'm going to just be nonpartisan. And, you know, I feel like my personal views have evolved quite a bit over, over the last years. And I feel like the, the party itself, the Republican party itself has changed a ton and kind of walked away from where even my dad is now looking at it with a big question mark in his eyes. And so I, I'm kind of curious about your journey from like, how did you, you say you're a proud Democrat, but you were Republican. What flipped your switch there? I mean, I was raised with it, you know, conservative Christian home, uh, well, ultra conservative Christian home. And, uh, you know, how to do the church thing and, you know, just all of that not accepting of anyone really who, who, uh, who wasn't white and heterosexual and uh, 
kind of a, a very closed walled off upbringing if if that makes any sense mm -hmm. so you know you have friends at school but not a lot of them were allowed over all the time and you know you kind of have this little culture brewing it's like little house on the prairie is is kind of the way that i i see how i was raised and uh i think as i got into my 20s i kind of adopted the the idea that you know colin powell had had espoused at some point where he said you know i haven't changed my views the the party has moved so far to the right you know that it makes colin powell look like he's a democrat but i just couldn't stomach any more the republican party's attitude towards race and lgbtq people the warmongering and I, I just i couldn't do it anymore so um i wasn't affiliated with any party for a while yeah and then just sat back and watched and absorbed and you know i've always enjoyed politics and i think someone said uh you know i don't know anything about politics but it's never stopped me from having a opinion and you know just kind of found my way to the democratic party where on social issues social justice issues i i just agree with them you know 100 percent yeah. republicans party spends more time dividing and i really think the democrats they're not good at it you know but we we do try to unify people and uh you know in the post-trump era that's kind of where i think the country needs to be there's a number of save anchorage members who who follow the blue alaskan on facebook and twitter and i get a lot of emails and messages from members of save anchorage you know one of their moderators just left the group couldn't deal with it just said i'm um, I'm done a couple of weeks ago. Not everybody is in there. Not everybody in that group is bad. Um, and the conversations I have with some of them and some of the conversations I've seen, you know, one of the things I've noticed in the last month is when people, the, the fire truck thing, I don't know if you guys saw that about Meg Zalatel that Must Read Alaska wrote alleging that Meg Zalatel might have improperly used a, a municipal fire truck. Well, right. that was shared to save Anchorage. And, you know, Downing just did what she does. You know, it may be, might be, could be possibly something bad for Meg Zalatel if she allegedly maybe kind of sort of might have misused you know, city resources. And, you know, it was a, a union truck and she didn't do anything it wrong and we know that zalatel enjoys support from the unions so you know who gives a shit anyways it was saved to save anchorage and i think the moderator who shared it expected it to be the usual um nasty nine rhetoric that we hear from the group but i mean people were correcting it that's not a municipal truck you know where people are it's weird it, it's like they're uh they're kind of starting to debunk stuff themselves. That's not to say everything in the group is rosy and, you know, they've done a 180 and they've, you know, seen the error of their ways. But it was kind of heartening in a way to, to see that. I'm like, good for you, whoever you are. Like, you know, like, 
Yeah, that's that's sort of my issue with this whole thing is that like the existence of this like feels like dark and futile, but that's sort of the, with the assumption that it's going to last forever. You know that this sort of current state that is sort of you know sprung up in the last two or three years is like the new norm and. I don't know how, because I think one of the things that I keep on coming around to is that it's like so, it takes a lot of energy to be mad that much. You know, it takes a lot of energy yeah. to, you know, I think I think there are people out there that can can produce that kind of angry content, but to engage continually, continually with that angry content is to me, I think, just like exhausting. And I think that, you know, that's sort of, you know, that's sort of when we talk about how do we, how do we deal with this misinformation? It's, you know, in, in some ways it's like trying to get people clear out of a cult, you know, in a way where it, you know, it, it, it's got an answer for every bit of doubt that you have. And once that doubt starts to creep in, then it's, you know, like a waterfall. So anyway, this is good. I guess it's good to see that. I thought that was a really interesting story too, where, you know, I think in one of your posts, it was, Hey, if you're reading this, contact me. And then, later that day you had the contact and i think that <laughs> i mean i think that like speaks really well to kind of just like what you're doing and and the sort of attention that you have from that sector because yeah it's weird yeah. i mean you know kind of the hierarchy the the hive mind um you know of save anchorage has been that i'm out to delegitimize them and you know and, and my response is almost always yeah well i'm not posting you know, any Semitic stars of David on there, we're proudly wearing them on live streams and, you know, not doing all of this kooky stuff, but there's reasonable people in there. And I think that with COVID now, you know, we've got BA2 and, you know, we're, we're going to be dealing with this. We're moving into the endemic stage, they, they say. So with masks not on the table, with vaccines not on the table, with COVID not on the table. I don't know how influential Save Anchorage is, is ultimately going to be. I think that's going to be answered on, on April 5th when we you know, have the municipal elections. I think two of the races are going to be really, really close. But I, I don't know that Save Anchorage is around in two years. I, I think they wind up debunking themselves and people, people, I think people on Save Anchorage's side and moderates and progressives, we're all tired. You know, I, I think we've just reached a point of burnout where everyone's tired of arguing about everything. And, you know, really what is there to argue over anymore with the pandemic on the downswing and a lot of these controversial things like COVID mandates, you know, no longer on the table. There's always there, there's always something down the pipe. Not like I mean, when have we seen something like this? You know, this whole pandemic outrage, mask outrage. When? I mean, you know, I, I would say January sixth. I think that we we have. Yeah, I, I think that we have a, a, a cold civil war in this country almost, and that I think that you know this all ties ties into that. We're we're gonna have you know save Anchorage is is a critical part of the midterm elections, right? I mean, like. What is what does that look like for the the race for the congressional seat? What does that look like for you know it, if you have a group of people that you've sort of cultivated and led and you know this is your your flock of of save Anchorage followers, you're going to try to use them to do the thing that you want to do. And it seems to me what are they good at? They're good at being loud, right? Anybody who watches an assembly meeting 
And I know we've all watched them. You know, when somebody says I'm a proud Save Anchorage member and then spews out a bunch of COVID misinformation and calls for, says there's going to be civil war over masks. I mean, really? They think they give off a good image. Like, yeah. you know, I just, well, is it we, effective? We, I mean, maybe. We, I, we, we saw the effect of that in the Fairbanks elections. When the Fairbanks municipal elections rolled around, they elected a much more progressive slate of candidates than they normally would have largely because I think that they were watching the, this Save Anchorage stuff unfold at, yeah. at the assembly meetings in Anchorage. And they were like, we don't really want to do that. And that's, no. I think though, I think though, you know, with that situation though, you had the images of those mask protests at the assembly chambers, like plastered everywhere. You had the guns on the belts, the yellow stars. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, and that's why I think the work blue is doing is, is valuable because you know, it's easy to to pay attention to the, the the January sixes, right? It's easy to get motivated by those really big, loud public events, right? But there's a lot of shady shit that's going on all the time. You know, I think that you know the the, the beginnings of your work on to what's it called, Waka, this <laughs> weird tactical military outfitter that you know surprisingly got the city's contract to do a bunch of COVID and the monoclonal, like maybe they didn't even get the contract, right? They just sort of were doing it. You know, all the sort of questions there, it's not like super sexy, right? It's hard to turn some of that stuff into clear, clear, effective messaging in an election. But I think that the having that information out there is still really useful. It might not be dominating our news feeds it might not be dominating you know it's not even it's not yet not yet to appear in in pub in you know traditional media which sidebar i think there is like a you know some of the criticisms i see sometimes of being like well blue alaskan has this why isn't this on the adn right now and it's like well they just published 30 minutes ago like it takes some time for somebody to get wound up on a story that they are starting cold on so yeah is it weird i would hope that they come out on it eventually but I mean, I think I remember looking into this too, and I remember seeing it, and I go, "Well, that's weird." Like back, you know, back when they were sort of issuing this stuff, and I go, "That's weird that there's like a tactical, you know, guy who sells holsters and magazines and body armor, like providing these services." So it looks to me like just some guy that you know had a bunch of guns and wanted to make it into a business. And so I think, like you know, delving into it isn't, you know, this isn't like the sexy sexy kind of stuff like we had with you know not, not nothing about the anchorage assembly meetings were sexy ever <laughs> uh but you know the i think that's the difficulty i think that's what is good about having you know eyes on it in a constant and critical manner is that you know you're there yes for the the big banner stuff but you're also there for the stuff that takes work and 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 effort to delve into and i think that is I don't even remember what my original point was, but I think that's a really, really valuable element of, of this is, is you keeping an eye on something that as somebody who's worked in a newsroom, it's hard to be able to, to say, okay, I'm going to be dedicated to the effort of keeping an eye on this nutbag group. Right. And I think, see, that's one of the benefits I think of kind of blogging is, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know. And I, and I, I, I don't, but you know, aren't reporters, they're working on multiple things at once, right? Yeah. They've got well, deadlines. They're filling, yeah, and, they got uh, news news slots to fill, yes. Not me. I can sit there with my phone and watch stuff all day. You know, I mean, I'm not, 
you know, as a blogger, it's like, you know, Dermot Coley writes whatever he wants. You, you write whatever you want. Me, I write whatever I want. You know, we're not beholden to the timeline of a news organization. I, I think that's why maybe some of these things don't get written. Um, I wish Daniela Riviera was still here. Like, you know, she did investigative reporting and, you know, I don't, we don't have that anymore. I, I really miss it. I wish somebody would hire somebody to do that. Just not, you know, into me. <laughs> we do see that in some spaces, right? We've got ProPublica and like Kyle Hopkins is doing a lot of oh, sure. work and, yeah. you know, and that's not necessarily like getting into the minutia, minutia of like city government, but I think that that exists in Alaska. It's just sparse. And even, even, yeah, land, even, even Landfield, uh, you know, to his credit does break a lot of stories that just like the stuff that you, you talk about, like no one else would have turned over that, that rock. Absolutely. I think what I'm really more referring to is, you know, uh, Daniela Rivera had really gotten into the Judy Ellis social media post and got oh, right. her on camera and interviewed her. And, you know, and because she worked for, what was it Alaska News Score? Yeah. Or I don't know what it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she was able to, you know, I focus on things, you know, here in the city and, and, you know, wrote regularly. Um, it's just a critical piece, I think, that that Anchorage is is missing. Like, yep, Kyle Hopkins is like, you know, God, and you know, ProPublica is amazing, um, but it's not frequent, and I, I don't think it's nearly enough. And I think that's actually a good point too, because I think there is, you know, I've seen it. You know, there's there's more weight that that the political system gives to the Anchorage Daily News and, and and TV and radio. As much as people harp about, you know, the mainstream media and everything, they still care about how they appear in their local newspaper. And I think there's that's sort of the, some of the power of institutional media, right? Is that the legislators, you know, get called out and then they change their behavior, you know, get, get called out by the Anchorage Daily News for a reason, you know, for the same right. kind of reason that people have been harp, you know, they call they finally called uh, Mayor Bronson a liar like two weeks ago, you know, when we've all been saying that for the last, you know, however many months he's been in office. And, but still, like, even if they're late to the party, I think that they're just the weight that they have as an institution carries a lot of weight. I keep wanting to go back to this question of motivation, but I feel like you're, you're talking about, I feel like it's coming out in everything you're saying. Like I hear what I hear in your, in, in your voice and your words, is kind of this like deep concern for the city that you live in. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't believe I'm an alarmist. I've never said like, they're going to take the assembly. They're going to, you know, but there is this far right mentality that is uh, pervasive in the city right now. And, you know, I don't need to talk about that really because we've all witnessed it. It's been in headlines around the world for God's sakes. Um, you know, we've had Jamie Allard made the Times of Israel. James or David Bronson made the Times of Israel. You know, I mean, we've got Nazi license plate and anti-Semitic stars of David and fluoride and, you know, just all of these really weird, <laughs> unfortunate things going on right now. So I am concerned. I understand, you know, that there's reasonable Republicans and, and moderates. I'd like to see more of them. I'd like to see more of them run for office. It's the far right 
for lack of a better word, radicals that I, you know, have a problem with. I don't want anybody on either side of the political spectrum to just rubber stamp whatever it is the, the mayor wants to do. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that answers the question, but to get back to the money question, uh, no, it doesn't pay the bills. You know, I'll write something and maybe sometimes somebody thinks that's great. I don't post donor links or um, anything. When I decided to commit to another year, I did put a fundraiser up. It's, you know, the, the Blue Alaskan really is a labor of love. It's not intended to be, it was never intended to be a uh, money-making thing or, you know, a job. It, it just kind of turned into a job. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how much you want to, like, tell us about yourself, but maybe we could start getting into some of that. I'd love to know, you know, maybe uh, who you are. You want to... <laughs> You want to you want to spill Christopher Dunbar? Oh, a, hy a hybrid, <laughs> like a, a Pokemon that would scare everyone. Uh, my name is Matthew Beck. That is uh, a name I've never heard before. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I'm I'm afraid that people who have listened to our long going podcast have come all this way to hear your name. And now they will just, it, I, I'm just hoping that, that we've taken the death threats and thrown so much boredom at them that, they, <laughs> that they've just fallen asleep and they're peaceful little sleeping kittens now. Right you now, know, people we, we in need... Save Anchorage are sitting at home going, oh, there's no conspiracy, you know, trying to come up with a new yeah. one. But, well, yeah. I'm what sure we should do is something. have embedded this somewhere in the middle so it's not easy to find in the podcast. But well, I, mean, I think that's what's a... interesting about it. I think that's what's so interesting about all of this is that I don't know. Like I, you know, we pull off the mat. It, it, you know, I think that every time you know you're unmasking the villain, the quote-unquote villain or the the mystery, <laughs> you expect to at least you know recognize the face or the name behind it. And I have long don't. said I'm a nobody, and I I really like you have no idea on the the many levels that I mean that. Um, you know, I really did start this just because I thought someone should. And again, never really thought it should be me. So, um, so I just got Googled Matthew Beck, Alaska. And the first result I get is from the frontiersman. And it says, mm -hmm. Ma Matthew in the middle, Beck joins race for borough mayor. Not me. And that's enough whittling down the list of nine. So there's nine Matthew Becks in Alaska. I think so. Seven or nine or something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you're I'm not the director of the Archdiocese of Anchorage. <laughs> I'm sure that that this this borough mayor of uh, of, of Wasilla or whatever is going to have a hell of a week. <laughs> this won't be enough. I mean, we all understand that they're going to want you know video footage of me. I don't know climbing okay. flat top or something. Oh yeah, yeah it's, I... it's it's seven <laughs> it's seven ten on uh, the on uh, March 29th. Do you, can you tweet something from the Blue Alaskan account that so we can verify that like that this is this is you? Can can I, if I tell you something to tweet, like if I say uh, tweet something about spinach, and then you can just write something obscure, and then that'll be our verification timestamp. <laughs> Jumping on Twitter right now. Oh wait, I can't type that. My friends will know that's me. Okay. Um, hold on. <laughs> 
See, this is the other. Do you all struggle with social media? Like, I feel everything has to be like grabby and catchy and snarky and witty and, you know, but maybe I just should make this like um, overly vague. (laughs) You could just say eat your spinach. Just have to find the right gif. You know, this is half my day. Oh, a gif. We're going to get a gif, of course. That's perfect. (laughs) We should. Yes, a gif. Okay, great. I, I see it. Eight seconds later, I see eat your spinach and get the ballot turned in with a <laughs> uh, adorable uh, chewing rodent. <laughs> I was going to outsource that task to my vast network of deep state bloggers, but handled that myself for you. So. All right. Thank you. Look at you already two likes already. Yeah, Very good. You got a good audience. I, that's just it's me, man. weird, right? It's weird. You know, so I, I think that there's going to be some value in, in putting a, a face with the persona. Yeah. Um, where it becomes a, a more real and, you know, maybe something people can identify with or identify to. But, you know, not much is going to change on my end. You know, it's what I write and, you know, how I deal with social media and what I tweet is, I guess, who I am as a human being. I would hope people will be you know, supportive of what you're doing and, and, and supportive of what you're doing moving forward too, because I think there, you know, there's this incredible kind of mystery and allure and you can kind of read into it, whatever you want when it's anonymous. And I think, you know, putting a person behind it is, is, is going to be an interesting change. And, and I think hopefully for the best. Yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I, I wish you luck with your, with future <laughs> endeavors. I, I mean, I think, I, I think this is great. I think this has been a really good conversation about journalism and about like what exists and about vlogging. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think you, you've had a crash course of becoming, you basically, you know, DIY'd yourself into being, you know, yeah. being a jur- uh, investigative journalist. I you think really that painted yourself into a corner. I mean, I think that, well, yeah, I think like, you know, well, you know, some of us, you know, that was, that was your pandemic uh, thing, you know, you came out of it, a journalist. And I think that's, you know, I think that, I think people are very precious about what journalism is nowadays. And I think this idea of like rigid, you know, idea of it is all kind of, I don't know, a little much. I think that, yes, it's great to have these institutions with everybody with a journalism degree, but you know, a journalism degree to me is a is a degree in learning and a degree in, in like light light communication that you don't really learn how to actually communicate until you're, you know, 150 stories in into your professional career. And you know, I think that the work you've done is has been really great. I think that putting a name to it will make it that much better. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's just me and a MacBook and a iPhone. Um, just paying attention and, and, you know, trying to get information, I think, is important out into the, uh, the public purview. So there's really no mystery behind it. You know, the, the temperature needs to come down in the city. And uh, if anything's going to get done, if we're going to work on homelessness and, and the other challenges facing the city, I, you know, there has to be compromise and a a willingness to, to work together and to see different points of view, just, you know, without all of the rhetoric and, and divisiveness or nothing's going to get done. And we're just going to keep doing this through whatever administration takes over the reins next. So that's it. Yeah. And I, I think that's a nice note to end on. It's a good sentiment and uh, goodbye. And thanks for being with us.
Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Thank you. Hello to you out there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to support our work, you can find Matt Buxton at MidnightSunAK.com. He puts out a daily newsletter about what's going on in Alaska politics and the legislature, and it's just really great writing. Uh, and if you want to support my work, you can find me at Patreon.com slash Alaska Robotics. And that supports my time editing this podcast and doing a lot of other things like comics and watercolor paintings and things like that. So I really do appreciate it. And a big thanks to Marion Call, whose music we excerpted uh, for our theme song of our show. Uh, that comes from Real Alaskan Girl. Uh, go check it out on Bandcamp.